Okay, May, are you there? Hello? Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm very well, or as well as I could be. I thought uh, we could start this episode with a story about me from the before times. Yes, please. I love the before times. All right, so like a little less than a year ago, um, I decided to go backpacking in Alaska, which I know it's not like terribly remarkable for me. I'm a nature bro from Colorado. Yeah, very on brand. It's very on brand. (laughs) But the thing is like what was different is that I had heard about a trip through a friend of a friend, uh, this group of people who were going backpacking, and I knew nothing, next to nothing about these people. Wow, okay. the point is, okay, so I had just gotten through, like, a tough breakup, and I was feeling really down. I was feeling really depressed. Um, Mm -hmm. This trip that I heard about, turns out it was full of other nerdy science reporters, so... Nice, your people! My people, right? It's not like I knew absolutely zero... Yeah, And when I got there, what I found out was that they really did have some, like, maybe not cures, but at least, like, balms for loneliness, for, like, the depression and isolation I was feeling. Like, what kind of stuff? Like, little things. Like, when I showed up, I got a pair of cat socks and finger puppets, just as a little gift, which was lovely. (laughs) And this group of friends made, they like checked in all the time too on each other. They wanted to see how everybody was doing, how I was doing. And yeah, (laughs) it was cute. And it really helped. Like I went from feeling really depressed and and locked inside my own head to to feeling seen and understood, which has lasted until now, until this quarantine. And so this episode, we're going to focus on small acts of kindness and how they can make a big difference right now. One of my friends from this trip actually wrote a whole article about this. Her name is Sarah Kaplan. She's a science writer with the Washington Post. And she thinks that during this pandemic, it's more important than ever to be nice because it can improve our physical and mental health. Okay, so then let's call her. Yes. (laughs) I brought her up for a reason. I still have her phone number. We can give her a call. Cool. From Colorado Public Radio, this is At a Distance. Your guide to life during a pandemic. I'm May Ortega, sitting in my living room. (laughs) And I'm Sam Brash, underneath my comforter in my kitchen. Okay, Sarah Kaplan, are, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm here, yep. Um, okay, so so Mayor Ortega, this is Sarah Kaplan. She's a science writer for the Washington Post, and she's also the person who let me come on her backpacking trip. Why was it uh, eight days in the wilderness in Alaska? Eight days in the wilderness, With and you Sam guys let Rash? me come. Yeah, yeah, they didn't know me at all either. Like We're still talking to each all. other, so yeah. I guess it worked out. <laughs> so it worked in that way. All right, so from your article and also just like from Alaska and knowing you, I know you're kind of like an expert in, in human connection, both on the science side of it and also just like in your own personal life. How does being alone like put us at risk? How does it put our mental and physical health at risk? We all know this from experience that um, it doesn't feel good to be lonely, right? Our bodies are built to be around one another. Um, So actually 
you know, when a person is isolated from other people, their body basically starts gearing up to have to respond to threats alone. And the idea is that, like, if you were a uh, hunter-gatherer in prehistoric times and you were separated from your community and you needed to flee a saber-toothed tiger your body needed to be prepared to do that by itself. And so it sort of pumps you full hmm. of all of these chemicals that enable you to do that. But now, um, especially in this moment of social distancing, the threats that we face are a lot more abstract. You know, the body's response to that loneliness is not necessarily helpful in getting us through this pandemic. What made you want to write about this topic? Like, was there a moment where you said, I have to write this story? I think I started looking into it because I was really feeling the effects of isolation. I live uh, in D.C. I have a roommate, but um, my whole family is in New York. And it had been really hard feeling so far from them, especially knowing that they were in the city that is kind of the epicenter of the epidemic in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about what this was doing to me. And I had actually a few years ago, covered this big meta-analysis, so a study of studies, essentially, that found that people who were lonely or lived alone or socially isolated actually died sooner than people who aren't. And so I was, that's sort of what got me looking into it. But then I, as I was talking to these psychologists, they found that, um, you know, people who were socially isolated were about 25% more likely to die by the end of the study period. Um, But when they studied social connection and they asked people who felt strongly supported by their social networks, they were 50% more likely to live. So the the correlation is like, I mean, basically what that tells you is that like loneliness can be painful, but kinship is like an even stronger solution. And I just found that so uplifting. And then there's these other studies that found that if you are experiencing pain, if you look at a picture of someone you love, it actually makes that pain less intense. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And scientists call this the buffering effect. So if we, you know, if when we're apart from other people, our bodies gear up for stress, right, and gear up to be like in fight or flight mode. When we're around people or when we get a sense of security, from our friends and family and our social networks, our physiology is just, is calmer. um, And that in turn can lead to a stronger immune system. Wow. And it sounds like you're pointing out too that a lot of those things that might increase this buffering effect, they're not things we have to do with people who are nearby. Like we can do them for people who are far away too. Yeah, I mean, the the science of sort of how much of this, you know, the difference between physical and virtual connection, that's sort of still an open question. But actually, one of my favorite experiments was that, so this was, was with sheep, and they um, put a sheep alone. Sheep are also social animals. They travel in herds, and so the, the lonely sheep was not happy. And then they showed the sheep a picture of another sheep, and like, its stress hormones decreased. Um, (laughs) And who knows? So so that suggests that at least in this other mammal, that there is some effect that is divorced from all of the like physical touching or smelling or hearing 
another person right. that simply seeing them can be not another person another sheep yeah so like having a, a strong social network means that you should be trying to reach out to people that you love or your friends or whatever in these times I mean, I think it's all about how we maintain our ties to one another, right? Feeling like we are part of a community, even when we're alone. You know, based on this research, it does seem like seeing people is important, even if it's just over web video. I think that hearing people's voices is important. So maybe instead of texting, you call People, mm-hmm. call your grandma. Your grandma wants to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> One thing also that I, that I really loved is, you know, we've seen all these videos of, um, you know, people in, in Europe, like, singing from their balconies. There yeah, is that famous um, yeah, Italian tenor. Yeah, I've seen those tenor. videos. They're amazing. <laughs> You know, anything that makes you feel connected to other people. Um, yeah, I need something like that for sure. Like maybe I'll do that in my apartment building or something. Right. <laughs> I, I think like, what's so interesting about all of this area is like your article to me pointed out how there's so such like an immediate need for research that talks about how there's this big connection between psychological well-being and immunal <laughs> well-being. And yeah. That's something maybe we thought about as interesting before, but now it just seems like so relevant. Like we want answers so badly mm-hmm. to these questions yeah. because they're at odds almost. Yeah. Well, the thing is that they don't have to be at odds, right? I mean, I think that definitely there is no replacement for like being able to hug your mom. Um, and and I feel very helpless, right? And, and all of us are helpless. We can't, aside from participating in physical distancing, we can't really do anything to protect the people we care about. Or at least I thought we couldn't do anything. And then I heard about this research and now it just feels like every time I call my mom, I'm like, I'm doing this for your health. (laughs) Um, I'm making your immune system stronger by reminding you of our social connection. (laughs) That's right. See, that just means you have to call my mom. She's probably like, where is this child? Yeah, I don't know if you should tell the Jewish moms about this, Sarah. This seems like something they could really lower it over us pretty effectively. <laughs> like, you failing to call me literally hurts my antibody count. Yeah. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> so we asked Sarah, master of science and cute gifts, for some simple ideas that might help you feel connected to other people right now. Things that can make you and your friends healthier during this pandemic and that are backed up by scientific research. By science. So here we go. First, reach out to the people close to you. Calling and talking to people, whether it's over the phone or over video, is always preferable to text because hearing people's voices and seeing their faces does have a physiological response. So especially older people who are more likely to be isolated and generally have um, smaller social networks, make sure to keep in touch with them. Second, help out your neighbors, even with the little things. If you can do something nice for someone who is vulnerable, right? Like if you can get groceries for an elderly neighbor or volunteering, if you can do so in a way that is safe is really, really good, both because it's good for you and because it's good for your community um, and your community needs it, especially now. Next, channel your inner artist and share what you make with friends. Do small creative things, whether it's sending a handwritten card or, you know, like goofy 
videos or something. Also, if you're in a home with family or maybe you have a roommate, treat this time as an opportunity. If you're quarantined with people, like take advantage of this time to be with them. One of the psychologists I talked to told me about how his two sons, he's spending more time with them now than he almost ever does because he's usually at his university and in the lab and working really hard. And finally, be sure to take care of yourself too. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of research also on just sort of like coping with anxiety with mindfulness techniques and breathing and exercise. All of those things are really good for us to be doing right now to manage both our mental and our physical health. So, in the spirit of acts of kindness that have been backed up by science, we asked some friends to share nice things people have done for them during this pandemic and how those things helped them out. Uh, my name is Devin Reynolds. I'm from Boulder, and someone sent me a care package with a bunch of puzzles. Now, when I get to sit down and do a puzzle, I get to think about that person and feel loved by them. Hi, this is Bridger Langfer out of San Diego, California. Probably the best thing that's happened has been a group Zoom call with my extended family. It was amazing to see uh, all these people who love me out of nowhere. Hi, my name is Meredith Bixler. Um, and one thing I've enjoyed at this time is howling at, with my neighbors to show appreciation for healthcare workers. We do it every night at eight. Um, this has helped uh, me to show my gratitude, but also to feel connected to my community and connected to something bigger than myself. Hi, this is Amanda from Santa Fe, and a kind thing someone did for me recently was drop off brunch at my house in a shoebox. And it helped me because I live alone, and it really reminded me that I have really fantastic friends. If you want to share a kind gesture that helped you out recently, you can tweet us at CPR News. And we'll be back soon with more ideas about how to live your best life in isolation. And how to handle all aspects of this crisis. We'll be here with thoughts and ideas and tips for you on how to deal with everything. Thanks for listening yet again. Thanks. Bye. At a Distance is a podcast from Colorado Public Radio News, and it's hosted by me, Sam Brash. And me, May Ortega. Our producer is Rebecca Romberg. Our executive producer is Kevin Dale. Brad Turner is our head of audio innovations, and he wrote our theme music. Yeah, he did. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. Please, please rate and review At A Distance if you use Apple Podcasts. It can really help people find the show at this difficult time. And if you have tips or story ideas, please email us. The address is at a distance at CPR.org. Colorado Public Radio journalists are here for you to report on this pandemic. We're speaking to health experts and helping to make sense of this changing world. This would not be possible without CPR members. Support our work with a donation at CPR.org. And thank you.